You are listening to episode 271 of the Game to Players podcast. My name is John, and I'm joined by Brian. Hey, everybody here at the Game to Players podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we're hanging with rats in the sewers. But hold the pizza in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. I didn't actually read what you were writing there, <laughs> so that kind of caught me by surprise. Yeah, no uh, no turtles here. We are playing Dishonored. Yep, so uh, we'll dive into that Plague World uh, at the Inflation Deflation segment. Corvo Atano, come on. That could be like another, like, I believe that would be a Renaissance artist name. Corvo? <laughs> yeah, I could see that as a Renaissance artist name. I mean, turtle, Corvo Atano. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, he's the one that trains them in the uh, the art of uh, supernatural abilities. Yeah, turning into rats and <laughs> yeah, delving through the shadows, controlling Master Splinter. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, God, that threw me for a loop. Okay, so you can find the Game Deflators podcast on thegamedeflators dot com. You can also find us on YouTube. So just search up Game Deflators there. We are also on social media at Game Deflators on X, at the Game Deflators on Instagram, Facebook, and Threads. And uh, last but not least, you're listening to a podcast app, like, subscribe, leave us a comment, um, leave us a review, all that good stuff. Let's dive into some recent pickups. All right. PlayStation Plus games were pretty damn good, actually. Don't text me to brag about it this month. Like, that was insane. Yeah, that's how good they were. I was like, Ryan, look at this lineup. Holy crap. I just have the essential tier uh, just for things like this so we can play games throughout the year. But I mean, come on. I was not expecting Evil Dead and Plague Tale Requiem. Like, that's insane. Like, Evil mm-hmm. Dead's a $60 game already. Like, that's fantastic. And then Plague Tale's hovering at 40 on the lows. And then, of course, there's Nobody Saves a World that was just kind of like that little icing on the cake. So yeah, I was... That's a great one. Yeah, I was, I was shocked, dude. Like, just logging in. Normally, it's like, you know, there's like a FIFA game and like some indie title and then a decent game. But yeah, this was solid. For mm-hmm. sure. Probably the best one. Honestly, probably one of the best months that they've had for free games in a while. So pretty stoked. Um, all right. But what I'm currently playing, though, is I continue playing Tales. I got to the Geyser area. Uh, Thoda, I think is what it's called. Yeah, Thoda Geyser. Uh, so I got there and then apparently uh, to get the statue that goes to the um, uh, whatever shrine to be able to go past the mountain pass. Um, you got to give the guy instead of like a hundred million gold, you have to give him this spiritual statue that people pray to. And it's like a, not a one of a kind, but it's like a legit piece. And so he's like, yeah, I'll let you go through and I'll let you read this book that the, the chosen one is supposed to be looking at, but I'm holding it hostage until you bring me some, something I want essentially. Uh, so I got to the geyser, but it turns out there's actually a secret area you can go into as part of a shrine. And so you go into that and uh, complete that section. So I did that. And that's you where like I stopped. trying like the puzzles and stuff. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I, I kind of got the idea. I was like, OK, I've got the sorcerer ring thing. I can change it between fire and water. OK, I've got a container here. It says it, it's closed. All right, let me switch it to water. How do I switch it to water? OK, it looks like I have pillars. I got to turn on fire. And then from there, things open up and things happen. So um yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And then there's a little bit of treasure here and there. The enemies are pretty decent uh, in terms of what you can combat. So nice leveling up. I think I'm level 18 or 19 now with all of the battles I've been involved in. So not too bad. And um, I ended up dying in that shrine, though. I didn't uh, No, I didn't die. I actually beat that boss. Whatever creature comes out to attack you as part of a shrine, I actually did beat that. Um, but it was difficult, man. I had like 20 life bottles and I actually got through all of them. So, and then I had all my apple gels and everything that I've been collecting and mm-hmm. those are all gone. And so are my orange gels. And I think one party member didn't get experience because, well, they died in the middle of battle. And just as I was putting on the final hit, the one thing though, that I hadn't realized until playing the other day was like, you have a certain type of like potion or bottle that you can use to scan the enemy's health and see where they're at. So that was pretty cool because I was like, oh, man, this battle's tough. 
and I scanned it. It's like, you have 7,000 of 10,000 possible damage. I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> like I'm screwed. And I just kind of kept chugging away on it and ended up beating it. So that worked out. Uh, and then, yeah, I saved and that was it the other night. Uh, and a lot of that's cause well, I've been playing other games on the side, which we'll get into here in a moment. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is arenas. I'm still playing that. Uh, always having fun with arenas caves is the most hilarious deck that I've ever played and it pisses people off. It's so great. Like it's fantastic. Just the whole like concept of playing it online now too. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I've been playing it online. I play it online more than I do in person. Well, I mean the, the, the caves deck specifically. Yeah. 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 I've been, I play that more online than anything else. Like that's my current deck is what I've been playing. And more so because, I've kind of learned with arenas like you have those mastery passes, which is their equivalent of a battle pass. Well, you need gems, right? And the way to get gems is to do certain, you know, things. Well, I've already got several standard decks built and I'm opening up packs and I'm getting all of this good stuff. Right. So what I ended up finding out is that I could just play in the arena standard tournaments and after you win like three or four rounds, you get like 400 or 300 gems. So if you do that every, I don't know, week or so you play into one standard match and you get like two, 300 gems that just adds up over the course of a month, you're looking at, you know, anywhere for, it depends on how many, how many wins you get, but I've won seven before seven wins. And it, I think it was like 500 gems or 600. So yeah, I mean, it adds up. So if you do that every, every week or every four days, whatever it kind of breaks out to, I think actually no, it's actually even more than that. It's not even every week because you get like a thousand gold a day off your stuff. So yeah, it's like every three days you jump in this tournament, you play a few matches, you potentially get a pack to two packs. So that opens it up for you. And then you get the gems and then you use the gems for the mastery pass. You get a ton of packs on that and additional gems because they give you like 900 to 1200 gems for doing the mastery pass and you just rinse and repeat. So like I just recently discovered that that's <clears throat> kind of a key to this game as far as you want new stuff. That's how you do it. And the mastery pass opens up like 25 packs. So, you know, there's no, there's no purpose in opening up, you know, a pack a day or two packs every, every day or so uh, for the new sets. When ideally you could just do the master pass, get packs for free of experience and play into tournaments, mm -hmm. you know, so that's kind of that's what I've been looking at doing. So I unlocked the Ixalan Mastery Pass, which was pretty good and got a ton of cool packs and stuff. So that worked out. And then uh, d and I guess we'll just do a quick update um, on our Strixhaven session. So I think last we had left off, I had, you know, we had the whole Max situation and arm was ripped off and you guys fought the um, the Mage Hunter. And then we had a Seeker who uh, had Virion Blackwood sitting outside of his apartment or dorm yelling obscenities and saying that he was a drug dealer and everything else. What I ended up playing out. Uh, so those listening was essentially um, had all of the characters go about their separate ways throughout the night, but with the intention of having the character Ash, which was a vision for my wife's character knock um, that he was burning down a building at some point. She had like this drug infused vision and so I had planned on making that come to fruition. The best way I felt to do it was to have everybody in their separate ways. Um, and then hearing like alarms ringing throughout campus, smoke in the distance. And then you guys battling a bunch of fire geists along with Ash just kind of standing there being like, what the hell happened? So I thought it was kind of fun. Like the interactions that you and Thomas had, I thought were fantastic in the mm -hmm. like target practice. So like you guys did target practice and, um, you know, had a little mini game kind of set up. I had, of course, Seeker dealing with his Virion Blackwood blood feud. And then I had uh, Knock and Fez kind of doing their whole discussion on what was happening. Uh, so I, I felt it was pretty good overall, um, the session and, and how it went. Uh, and then, of course, you know, everybody kind of comes together towards this end where all of their different like paths kind of collide together into forming like, oh, this is happening. There's something burning. And, you know, of course, you guys deal with professors who are still in denial which I love it. It's like, what is it? Not birthers. I'm trying to think of like what they would be compared to at this point. Um, but their backs returned when like stuff was happening. And so you guys are like, did you see them? And we're like, 
no, we actually didn't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm just having a blast with that. Or it's like, no, no, they didn't see anything. There's still no auric. You guys are crazy. Yeah. It so. has a. Uh... It has certainly been an adventure <laughs> to get through all of this crazy stuff. Oh, man. I'm like debating if like towards the tail end of the campaign, there's a dead member of the Oric just sitting in front of like the dean of the school. And he's like, oh, the Oric are back <laughs> after everything's done. <laughs> That'd be so great. Um, but no, so that's where we are. And I, I got a plan for next week and see what's happening. Cause I have zero plans right now. Like I just, I'm not sure. I guess I kind of know where to take you guys are studying for exams and such right now. And, uh, you'll have your first or your second exam, I think on the year for Strixhaven. Uh, so I got to do that. And you guys will probably have some role play from the classrooms and stuff like that. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And then, you know, we'll figure it out from there. But I do like to rely on you guys, obviously, and I've said it a lot of times with your role play and ability to kind of stretch out a session. Because um, like I'm, I'm trying to lay the groundwork and bullets and here's what I want to work off of and kind of get everything set in. And then you guys kind of take it from there and it seems to work. So I'm going to keep rolling with it. Um, so, yeah, there can't be any complaints on story because you guys are making it. I'm just kind of rolling with it. So, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. The homebrew aspect is not that great. <laughs> so it's hard. You're doing fine. You're doing uh, fine. John. Yeah, I know. I know. All right. Um, so I'm not going to mention my last currently playing. I'll go ahead and mention it in our discussion topic. So you go ahead. Okay. So, um, this week I picked up Yakuza like a dragon on game pass. Uh, last week I had talked about trying out Yakuza zero, for the first time a little bit and it was very interesting now switching over to yakuza like a dragon so this is the first one that is like an rpg instead of like a brawler type game uh this is the one that's getting a sequel that's coming out like next week or something or next month it's coming out very soon uh yakuza like or like a dragon infinite wealth and that's going to be the first one set outside of like Japan. It's going to be in Hawaii. So uh, <laughs> these games, man, trying to play these games is like watching a movie, <laughs> especially this one, because this one is an RPG. So imagine having like at the beginning of your RPG, there could be a lot of story, right? I swear out of like the three hours I've played this game, I have had like eight fights, like RPG fights, like just with like regular, like level one guys that take like two seconds to just boom, 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 like hit the attack button twice. <laughs> so it's predominantly story focused. It's been all story. And I think it was not a great idea necessarily to just play the beginning of each of these games so close together because it's just been a lot of like i mean i'm understanding which story is tracking but it's interesting there are kind of some parallels that i'm seeing between like that story and maybe because you know yakuza zero was like the first in the timeline for the original character kiryu and then with the new character maybe they were you know doing that on purpose and drawing from history so i i don't know it they're good they're very like interesting stories i really like the characters um but man it is hard at night when i'm trying to sit down and play a game to just be like all right uh let's l watch a 30 minute drama now <laughs> <laughs> honestly man like i'm kind of down for that if i could stay awake yeah i mean when i'm when it's earlier in the day it's fine but it's just like last night i was i was on the struggle bus and i probably missed some scenes so yeah that's usually how my gaming goes nowadays yeah so um i i really i do think it's pretty interesting um i'm not sure which one i like more like maybe the brawler old style is something that I should look 
more into just because that's one that I've played the least type of. Like I've played a bunch of RPGs, you know. So yeah. like even though it has some interesting things in it, um I don't know. Also, I, I'm just not sure what to play right now, and I'm not really committing to any of these things. Um Persona 3 Reloaded comes out like in a week and that's going to be on Game Pass also. So like I lost my ability to play Persona 4 Gold on (laughs) the Game Pass like I talked about last week. But there is another Persona coming to Game Pass in the near future. Like I could try that. You know, there's lots of options out there, but I still got to think about eventually doing new games resolution who knows? I know that there's going to be so much new stuff coming out soon, but I'm kind of all over the place right now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, my new game's resolution is still going to be in a uh, delay mode, considering I'm where I am in Tales. And stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, the game I'm also playing on the side is Pal World. I thought I was going to play that after the fact, but no, no. We decided to jump full-blown in, and I put in like eight hours this week. Nice. Um, which is quite a lot for me of gaming uh, nowadays. Are you so, playing this with Justin? I do actually. Okay, I figured. I was like, this sounds like a game for the two of you. Oh yeah, it's been hilarious. So we this we found out that you can capture humans. Yeah, uh, which is fantastic. So uh, captured syndicate thugs. So we actually have like syndicate thugs all around our base. Um, so we originally built our base like where you and I started, right? Like in that small little area. And we found this beach, like this little peninsula area that's blocked off by a major mountain. And then there's like a general kind of like plains area off the coast. So we found this large clearing and we decided to build what looks like a giant 1800s plantation. It's kind of hilarious how big it is. It's gigantic, dude. It's like a three story building and um, we've got a bar in it. And we pushed the beds together because <laughs> you have to go to sleep. So at one point I had beds in separate parts and he's like, John, why aren't the beds together? I'm like, why would they be together? He's like, are, are we just friends? And so at some point, like I let it go for a couple of days. And so one day I, when he was out like exploring, I go ahead and I push the beds together. <laughs> it was the most hilarious reaction as we both were like running up the stairs to like do a sleep for the night type of deal. He goes, Oh, Oh, you you push the beds together <laughs> like it was just out of randomness. So it was so you funny. But recorded, John. Oh man, I have to get OBS and stuff set up. But uh, yeah, so we did all that. We've got our our pals kind of doing different tasks for us within the camp and building things and mining off of our like we have a stone thing or stone mill. We've got a wood mill. And then we're going to be building a wheat mill. We've got an egg in incubation. Like it's been a lot of fun doing that. And then the exploring component, there's lots of dungeons uh, that we've been doing to get like different types of pals. It's funny because Justin, as we're playing, doesn't even call the pals by pal names. He calls them by Pokemon names. So we found a lot of people do that. Yeah. So we saw an alley. He's like, oh, it's a hoot hoot. And I'm like, what? And so I'm like, oh, it does look like hoot hoot. And then there was like this creature that looks just like a damn Pikachu, but with like a suit or something or some sort of weird pattern outfit. And uh, he's like, it's a Pikachu. And so we caught that. There's a lot of creatures, obviously, that don't look like Pokemon, but there's quite a bit that you're like, that looks like a damn Eevee, you know, as you're going through. So I can definitely see why people are like, oh, they stole all these ideas and they used AI to generate Pokemon, which makes sense. Because like if you're like, oh, AI, please make me a game that has the following characteristics like Pokemon. Well, of course it's going to look like Pokemon. Um, But there's just so much more that's like not Pokemon, right? Like there's the fact that you can catch humans. There's, um, you know, the survival aspect, but getting them to work for you and do all these different things, the building component, uh, the battling is very much different than what you would experience in Pokemon. You don't have to actually use, you know, of course your pals to be able to do battle. You can, do you have you know, guns yet? Uh, no, we don't have guns yet, but we have like bats and uh, arrows and things of that nature. Um, and then so we beat. So we're only like level 16, but we beat a level 38 boss, one of the mammoths the other day. So I was reading that you can actually like the mammoths are susceptible to fire. 
So if you build campfires near them, they will, you know, catch fire and deal a bunch of damage. So what we did is we created a wall of campfires and then we had a few that were set to like one second left on the build. And then I had Justin luring the mammoth into the camp. Circle it in a circle of fire. Yeah. And then they, it doesn't get out. Fire. Yeah, it doesn't get out. So um, because it's surrounded by campfires, it has nowhere to go and it just burns and then you're able to kill it. So we ended up killing the mammoth, got a bunch of stuff. Um, we tried to catch it, but we're such a low level. I wouldn't let us catch it. Mm. So I don't know if there's like better of the pal ball things to be able to allow or pal spheres to allow Ultra us to catch pal it. spheres. Yeah, I don't know. Ultra there might be spheres. Yeah, there's like better pal spheres, I think, because it's just like, oh, this pal sphere is too low of a level type of deal. Um, but yeah, we've been having a blast with it. We've gotten like different uh, mount items so we can mount certain pals to travel um you know when you catch certain pals it unlocks certain things you can do and then as you increase levels it increases your ability to like buy certain technology to be able to use throughout the game so oh you want to get like a stone wall to be able to build a castle well you got to be like level 20 something and you also have to have caught whatever pals in the process mm. uh so we've done we've done some exploration but there's dude the game's huge there's so much to this game. Like we've only unlocked a very, very little amount of it. Um, there's a lot that we could be doing and we just honestly haven't. So yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. And uh, we're going to continue playing and having some fun with it and just kind of see where it takes us. I mean, it's not from what I know, it's not really like a story focused type of game. You're just <clears throat> open world exploring and doing all these crazy fun things. So and it's still early access too. So there's going to be a lot that's added to it, I'm sure. And they've already kind of said there's going to be things like PVP and other stuff that's going to be added to the game as well. Um, but as it stands right now, we're just doing a private server with ourselves. And, you know, if anybody else happens to be playing uh, in our friend group, we'll let them join and we'll all kind of screw around and adventure and all that good stuff. And then we have it set to casual too. So if we die, we keep all of our stuff and we don't have to worry about like going to backtrack. Because it's yeah. kind of the way I looked at it. It's like, I just want to have fun with this game. I don't want to sit there and <clears throat> be in that situation of, you know, stressing out like, oh, I lost my stuff and it's all the way across the world map and I have no easy access to get there type of situation. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, eh, let's just casual it and just have some fun. And we have been. So that's good. So in terms of overall review, I would maintain my uh, deflated review that we had last last week. Um, I think that the game still it is if you want to do a direct comparison to Pokemon, it is Pokemon what it should be and so much more and at a far cheaper price. It is worth it. And if, if somebody's going to listen to us, get pissed and say, well, they copied Pokemon, did all this other stuff. Nintendo knew about this. The Pokemon company knew about this years ago when it was first announced. They could have issued a cease and desist. They could have done different things back then. They didn't. There's nothing here at this point. Um, unless a lawsuit comes out of nowhere and they have to take the game off of Steam, I think they're good. And also, Microsoft, likely in the assistant or assistance of development for this game, probably wouldn't be getting involved in something if there were legal ramifications tied to it. So the fact that Microsoft's hand is in it, it's something to consider there too. Yeah. So yeah. Well. This week we will be talking about a little bit of that, John. Uh, did Nintendo... Mike did Mike Tyson write out this description? By the way, I just want to confirm. Why? It says this week Nintendo is out to cat them all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, John, <laughs> Nintendo's out to catch them all. So watch out for your Poke mods. Uh, Suicide Squad wants to be different, but sounds the same to me. And Microsoft starts off the year hitting $3 trillion market cap and celebrates with mass layoffs. <laughs> the way that you broke that. That's so rough. Um, okay, so speaking of Power World, uh, Nintendo goes after uh, Power World Pokemon Modders. I think this is Toasty Shoes, if I recall the name. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a YouTuber and apparently does mods. Um, the first I've heard of him, but apparently he's got a pretty decent following. So this is uh, Ash Parrish, coincidentally, Ash Parrish at The Verge, writing about a Pokemon situation with Power World. So it's just like this happy come together of all things Pokemon. And yeah, so 
basically, uh, I mean, it's, it is what it is, right? So Toasty Shoes made a Power World mod that takes all of Pokemon. You have Ash Ketchum as the main character. You've got Pokemon throughout the entire world and made a video and posted and said, we need, you know, Power World, but Pokemon mods. And so the reason that all of this kind of came down so quickly, like Nintendo, of course, had the video removed um, and they went after him right off the bat. It's because a guy was trying to sell it. And then he backtracked and said, no, 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 I was going to give it for free. Like, no, he was straight up going to sell it. And so I understand where, because like there's modded Pokemon things all over on PC. Like it's not abnormal to have Pokemon modded into things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you decide that you're going to make money off of it, that's usually where the line is drawn. So that's realistically, I think that's the big thing there. And then the other thing you have to consider is the Pokemon brand, right? It's supposed to be lovey-dovey creatures and all of the crazy things that are tied to Pokemon that are PG at worst, mainly rated G. And you've got, you know, the potential because in this game you can execute pals and just kill them. And then there's guns and there's picks and fires that you can burn them with and throw them over the side of cliffs and all this other crazy stuff. Yeah, Nintendo doesn't want that, right? Like, can you imagine seeing Pikachu get slaughtered or executed? Like, that's just not going to fly. So I could see multiple instances of why this would be like, removed immediately versus like there's another game coming out in the future that's a monster taming game and if for example they did a pokemon mod i would not be surprised nintendo just kind of looked the other way because it depends on what actually is happening in the game right you're not gonna have like pokemon characters running around in like you know call of duty right and if you do nintendo is probably gonna remove that as well right so i think it's dependent on what the game is if they're charging money, et cetera. So long story short, that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo has historically come for a lot of people's projects, you know, depending on how publicized it gets and how, you know, involved the, (laughs) you know, the creator is with trying to monetize it or, just trying to release their own like some people will do these mods and all they ever do is make you know a video showing them going around and if that's all they do i mean nintendo's not going to do anything about it like we've all seen those really great um you know unreal 5 uh ocarina of time like remakes that are out there you know those are just people doing that for themselves they're making a video and unless that's being released and other people are getting their hands on it. And all of a sudden Nintendo feels that they're losing revenue to it. You know, that's the time that they're going to act. Or if they see, you know, something that could confuse their product for something legitimate and makes them look at a bad light, they're certainly going to act. But I mean, there's a million uh, like Pokemon fan mods out there. And, you know, I think that those will get hit down sometimes, but, I, you know, once something's on the internet, you basically always find it. So it's one of those things Nintendo has to do this because if they don't defend their copyright vigorously, uh, you know, people are going to walk all over them and there's a lot of money to be made with knockoff Pokemon, you know, so they need to step in and, and do whatever they can. But in this instance, uh, I've talked to a couple people, and for the most part, I think people don't think that Nintendo's really going to step up and do anything here against Power World themselves. I mean, at this point, Power World's made so much money that they have a huge war chest that they could fight back against any kind of lawsuit that I think Nintendo would mount against them. And I don't think that they've really deliberately done anything. And like you were saying, you know, if Microsoft believed in this enough to sign them up for Game Pass and put it up as one of the places you can get early access to. I mean, that does give a lot of legitimacy to what they think, you know, is right and wrong here. Because, yeah, I don't think that they would step on Nintendo that way and be like, oh, yeah, we're going to put this pirate thing day one on Game Pass. Well, and so what I'm also not understanding is like, there's so much outrage from the fan base. And honestly, I think a lot of it is like Pokemon fan jealousy. Like there's finally a game that's out there in the market. And I mean, there's games that have been like this before, but like there's a game out in the market 
that makes Pokemon truly look bad. Like this is something. So I saw a funny, a funny video of, you know, the scene in Iron Man where Tony Stark, he builds like the original Iron Man. It's made of like sheet metal. Tony Stark built this thing in a cave. Yeah. So it's like Tony Stark built this thing in a cave. Why can't we build it type of thing? That should be Nintendo's reaction right now for Game Freak. Right. Like, yeah, Game Freak built this thing in a game and they never updated it. Yeah. So like Power World was built by a group of 20 people. Yeah. Let's just say they use AI assets. Right. That's fine. A lot of companies use AI assets, you know, to be able to get stuff done nowadays. It's a quicker, more efficient way in development. So they built this thing with a team of 20, one of which the guy that developed all the guns was working at like a grocery store or fast food restaurant just out of junior high. So like. The fact that you have Game Freak, which has been around for years and has senior developers, and they're putting out stuff that looks like PS2 graphics on the Nintendo Switch, and Power World comes out and has what's arguably a you know a pretty decently looking game with some pretty good graphics and and flow and everything else. Like I, I mean, Game Freak or Nintendo shouldn't be mad at Game Freak right now, but the reaction from Pokemon fans is what's got me. They have gone out of their way to reach out to the Pokemon company to, to like issue complaints and flag it. And so the Pokemon company like sent out a statement the other day. It was like, yeah, we've received a number of inquiries for a game that was released that uses assets. They're like the Pokemon company. We'll be investigating blah, 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 blah. Right. Like do these people that are doing this really think that Nintendo and the Pokemon company are not aware of what's happening in their own market? Like if, Again, if this was an issue, it would have been addressed a long time ago when people made comparisons that this looks like Pokemon of guns. This isn't this didn't come out of the blue. It it's been a thing for a number of years now. I think we even talked about it on an episode in the past. So it's just I don't know, man. It's just so it's a weird situation in general, and people are getting up in arms and trying to defend the multi-billion dollar Nintendo, who honestly has been screwing over consumers for so many years with, you know, lower quality games, not lowering prices, releasing things and not having, you know, caps on limitations of how many you can get the amiibo craze that's been happening over the years. Like Nintendo doesn't give a damn about you. So why the hell are you defending them all of a sudden? You know, and Mm. I think it, I think long story short comes down to jealousy. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. Nintendo and uh, Game Freak really need to step up the next Pokemon. Like, if this is blowing up this much and they're getting so much off the back of things just looking like Pokemon, I think think if they put out another bad Pokemon game, like, I don't think the next one is going to change, basically. And, And I've heard this sentiment said elsewhere before, but... You know, I don't think that the next Pokemon is all of a sudden going to be radically different. I think that they're going to need more time to adapt and move on. So maybe two Pokemons from now will get something like truly innovative. But I think the next Pokemon, it, it better be the best version of the current gen type, what we think about Pokemon ever made and it better be polished as hell um otherwise people are really going to take a another hard look as they (laughs) inevitably pay full price and it sells millions of copies it does super well because it will but you know it's gonna be disappointing you know like arceus was a step in the right direction when it first came out and you know when i i liked it it wasn't a bad game right but it wasn't everything it could have been. And I want to say that I mentioned that too. Like this, this is a good step, but there's things that they could be doing. Like, why do we need different regions, right? Just make the entire game open world. How much of that is held back by, you know, Nintendo's hardware? I don't think very much because obviously you have the Zelda games on those consoles and they look great. So I think it really just kind of comes down to the fact of Game Freak and Nintendo just saying, hey, we're going to sell millions of copies of this regardless because it's got the Pokemon name. Like, if anything, Pokemon fans should be excited to see something like Power World doing as well as it is, because it does require Nintendo, in a sense, to step up, you know, and put out a better product in the market. Like, things like this, this type of competition is good. And so, 
getting upset because your multi-billion dollar corporation is facing a situation where a random small studio has sold 8 million copies in pre-game or pre-sale essentially mm-hmm. um or no early access i'm sorry on steam alone by the way that's 8 million copies right now so once you start factoring in things like game pass this studio has made a boatload of money and like they were overnight millionaires and they have one point. of the most concurrent games ever released yeah and people are saying oh it's played games and people say oh it's gonna fade away and like yeah that's true like any game but it's gonna have like if you have that high of a concurrent player base right now on a game like this in early access pretty sure it's gonna do pretty decent for a while um and given the similarities to pokemon you're gonna have enough like lax not lax but like fans that have kind of been outside of pokemon for many years that see this and go hey this is actually really cool like this is what i've always wanted in pokemon let me dive in and play this now so yeah and it's got so many other and sorry one last thing on that i think i was reading uh an interview with the ceo of um pocket pair that i want to say that they were approached by nintendo or it was you know nintendo was asking them to create like a new ip or something like that and the CEO was like, no, like, and the reason some people call this a soulless game is because it pulls from so many different types of games. He pretty much was like, no, I want to take all the things that people like from other games and throw them into one game. So that's why you have similarities like Rust and Pokemon and Fortnite and, you know, all of those other like popular games that have been on the market for years. That's why there's so many similarities drawn out of Power World is because it is a heartless and soulless development of like we're just going to pull everything that people like and put into a game and it worked really well for darksiders yeah it's not the norm you know there's it's definitely not like every single game coming on the future is going to be like this Uh, it's definitely the exception but i mean it's a smart move if you think about it yeah no and i think uh one thing that i've heard here and you you've played more of this than I'll probably ever play. I don't know how long you're going to play this for or if I'll ever actually wind up checking it out. But, you know, is there anything in your mind of this game that is sticky? Like, 10 years from now, are you going to remember, like, the Electabuzz Totoro with a Gatling gun's name? I mean, I honestly, like, I don't pay attention to the creature names. And it was kind of like... It was kind of like that in Pokemon too, though, when I played Pokemon. Yeah. So there's, I, well, I, there's, okay. So you have some, but you got to consider that like you and I grew up with the original 150 and then we grew up with the next, what, 200 total or whatever it was, like the silver and all that. So like we grew up in a period of time where like we were memorizing the Pokemon, we were singing the songs, like we were doing all this. So <clears throat> in that aspect, you're going to remember it, right? Lifetime, it's going to stick. Power World for me, it's not so much because, oh, it feels like Pokemon and that's why I want to play it. Power World's fun. Like, that's why I'm enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned it earlier, you know, playing on casual mode, catching creatures, building things, all of the survival components. Like, I love survival type games and I love building things in games, which is Factorio is a great example of that. So these are the types of games that I enjoy playing casually on the side and just kind of a game that I can pick up at once. Yeah, exactly. I can pick up the game. I can play it a little bit. I can turn it, like take it down and go about my night, right? Like it's not something that I have to, I'm not sticking to it for story purposes or because, oh, I want to catch all of these different creatures of this name or anything like that. Like, do they have moves? Yeah, they do actually. Like, do you choose the moves that they use and attack with and stuff? I think you can, but they do have moves. And then they do have like different stat blocks, like there's grass and fire and rock and dark and all this other stuff. So like, I mean, people are right. There are, it, it pretty much is in a sense, a copy of Pokemon, but there's so many other monster taming type games that have come out in the market over the years. Yeah. You could draw comparisons, but there's like Digimon, you yeah. know? Yeah. Digimon's definitely different. I mean, you go from, a little tiny like puppy or something to like a full blown angel human type figure back to a dragon. Like there's crazy things like that in Digimon. No. So but, I saw one the other day. It's like, it goes from like a marshmallow to a dog, to a refrigerator <clears throat> with a Gatling gun. Yeah. There's also Gundramon or something, which is literally 
a giant set of guns made to look like a Digimon. <laughs> so, you know, like there's there's tons of things in that game. But, you know, the point being is that there's a lot of monster taming games that are out there. They've all got their random stat blocks that are tied to it. The general thing is like, OK, fire beats grass and, you know, grass beats that's, water that's and all sorts of stuff. RPGs. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's not new to Pokemon. Pokemon didn't revolutionize the elements and what's good against what. Right. So, you know, draw all the comparisons you want, but that's not like new to that company yeah. and it's not exclusive to Pokemon. So I, I can see the similarities. I can see why people are pissed off. I can see the certain assets that look the same. But again, if it was an issue, it would have been addressed a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on enough world for now. Yeah, we could probably like skip all the episode, the other stuff at this point. Um, all right. So Suicide Squad dev lays out battle pass and game plans and they sound good. So this is Zach Sweezen at Kotaku. I don't um, agree, Zach. <laughs> I actually kind of agree. So I'll let you say your part first. So this is the Suicide Squad devs. They did another Q&A and they talk about, hey, here's some, you know, things that we want to let you know. Some of these things are that the battle pass will always be available. So even once that season is over, you can always go back and claim those rewards. By the way, all of those rewards are going to be just cosmetic. You know, they worked really hard. They think that they made some of the best cosmetics in the industry. And they want you to always be able to get your hands on those. But they also understand that, you know, they don't want this game to take up all of your time. You know, they know that you've got a lot of stuff that you need to do in your life. And, you know, maybe pouring hundreds of hours into the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League isn't isn't the best idea for you. And you know what? This was like a really multiplayer kind of focused you know, online live service type title, but you can play it all solo as well. So those <laughs> all stacked up. I mean, they sound like great little things to give the player, but you're trying to sell me the suicide squad in a live service multiplayer experience that I don't actually have to keep up with. Uh, the only thing I can get from it is really good cosmetics but i could just play myself and then who am i really showing those cosmetics off for and if i'm not getting them till a year later who am i showing them off to then and just kind of all in all i think we're all kind of scratching our heads still a little bit like i know the devs they have to push their game like they've spent so much time and effort on this game and i want them to have the best experience and launch that they can. But like, this is the third time you're trying to sell us on the suicide squad. Like, has it been that successful? The first two times that they tried to make the suicide squad bid, like Harley Quinn really hit. She was a huge cultural phenomenon for a few years. That was like the biggest Halloween costume. And then like, um, what's his name? John Cena's guy. Um, but it's like that was like one of the most successful parts of the second time that they tried to pitch the Suicide Squad as like a mass appeal franchise. And that part is going to be a part of Mortal Kombat. It's not going to be a part of the Suicide Squad game. Like, I don't know how many people are really going to get behind this and how well it's going to do. I feel like we all think this is going to be kind of a stinker of a game and we all want it to pass by so that they can get on to you know making something new it's the same thing like with redfall you know we see that redfall was a bad thing and we just want those good devs to start working on something new right away and just let that thing go yeah so i agree with you to an extent here um you know suicide squad in general i don't think has been um the best like the movies have been okay, but yeah. So as far as Suicide Squad as a whole is concerned, not my favorite. It's not something that I typically follow. I get it with the whole villain comparison, but it's just, it doesn't stick to me right now in terms of what they are doing with the game. I'm in a hundred percent agreement with this approach. I like what they're doing with it. Just being the cosmetics. I like that. You don't have to be a hundred percent invest in the game. 
um, to be able to do game passes and all of that. The live action component, it is what it is. And then there's a solo mode that you can kind of do whatever you want to do, right? So I think that the way that they're developing this thing is the right way. And it's going to attract a certain set of gamers that are like, I, I don't want to deal with a game like Fortnite, where there's limited quantities of certain items or limited edition type items. And I'm going to have FOMO on, you know, completing the battle pass or not, right? Like this doesn't do that. And it, it drew comparisons to me um, with Apex Legends, where Apex Legends, there's like cool outfits and things of that nature that you can get with the battle pass, but you don't have to actually complete, like you don't actually have to do all of that, right? Like it's just cosmetics. You can enjoy the game in its entirety as a live service game. It's fun stuff. It's cool. But the battle pass is secondary in a sense, right? Yeah, it's a moneymaker for them, but everything else you could still play, right? And it's like that for a lot of games. And there's not these crazy limited quantities and you have the choice of if you want to buy or if you don't want to buy. And Magic Gathering, again, is very similar to that in that, you know, you don't have to do Mastery Pass. You can play the game in full. If you want to get ahead and get good cards and all that, yeah, you might want to buy stuff, but it's not a requirement to play the game. And so I think that's that's where they're getting at with this, but I'm right there with you. I don't think Suicide Squad is the right game. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that great. Um, I think the movies were okay. They're not the best movies. So why would you make a game after it? You know, and like, I think they've tried to incorporate them into like the Arrowverse and other shows and stuff in the past. And it just doesn't hit the same. Moving on, our last article today, Microsoft lays off 19. 19- 1,800 Activision Blizzard and Xbox employees. This coming from Tom Warren at The Verge. Uh, We all kind of knew this was going to be coming, I think. Uh, Whenever you have giant acquisitions like, you know, the largest purchase of a publisher and game merger in history, basically, uh, there's going to be some crossover. You know, we're not going to need two Gale and accountings. Uh, all the time so unfortunately it is uh, something that was going to happen but I don't think anybody really anticipated this kind of number and this kind of impact so um, this is kind of also all on the back of Microsoft like I mentioned in the the preamble they just hit a three trillion dollar market cap they're just such a massive company and to hurt this many people and have that information all come out like around the same time is a pretty big one two punch. Um, and redundancies aside, you know, we hope that everybody from the company is able to land on their feet and find something. But, um, anyways, getting into it, a lot of what happened here, um, was like I said redundancies but also just some other impacts like games getting canceled uh people being moved from teams to start supporting other things that are in development so there's a lot of behind the scenes shifting around of talent besides just the loss of talent and even some big names like mikey barra uh who was uh, a really high up at blizzard he is leaving the company as well um so there's been a huge shuffle around and i think that the majority of the the impacts we won't really see for a while so they said that um the game that was put to the side was uh, the survival game that blizzard had been in development for quite some time um we don't really know anything about it i don't think (laughs) at this time other than it's not happening now but I think a, a fresh take on a survival game from Blizzard would have been really interesting to see. But with Power World just kind of blowing up now and changing a lot of the face of what survival games are going to be successful in comparison to moving forward, you know, depending on how long that lasts, you know, this could be, you know, maybe a good decision. Like maybe Microsoft sees the writing on the wall and they're like, well, I don't think that this game you guys were working on was going to be able to compete with what Pal world is already established themselves to be. So let's just cut this off here. Uh, there's some pre-production pipeline stuff going on on some other promising titles. Let's move all of these people around, shuffle them over to there. And then we can cut off, you know, these people out. Boom. 
you know, it's all those kind of decisions that are going on right now. And it sucks that it's people's lives and it's having such a, a turnaround from how bad last year was to already start off this year with these kind of numbers uh, in January is huge. Well, so, I mean, really, that's kind of how the entire industry is going right now with tech uh, in general. Like we had during the COVID period, there was tech experience, like a ridiculous amount of inflation in the market. So you saw that in the stock, you know, stock prices, which have plummeted since in tech space. And then, of course, you've got a number of employees that were hired and they've been trying to whittle that down over the last few years. So layoffs have not been as bad as what they were last year, but it's still pretty rough in general. Like I think Google last year was like 10,000 plus employees that were laid off, maybe more. Um, So no quoting on that one. It's I don't know. Look it up. But there's been massive layoffs last year. There's been layoffs this year, but not to the same extent. So I understand why the layoffs are happening. They're trying to get back to a point of. I guess you could say profitability and, you know, ensuring that there's positive cash flow happening within these different divisions. And it makes sense that the gaming division would get cut the way it did just because, you know, as I stated earlier, massive amount of tech inflation over the last couple of years, and they're trying to just kind of cut that down. What really sucks though, is that's a lot of people that are looking for work. And so now in an already competitive like development space, I mean, this, it's gonna be tough for them to find jobs in this type of like what's happening right now of tech. Like there's, I've got a couple friends that are, you know, developers, not even just gaming developers. Okay. Gaming development, I think is pretty tough to get into to begin with, but they're just regular developers. They can get a job with just about any company out there because there's a difference between like web development versus um, developing uh, different programs for like Android or Apple. And then there's like game development, like it's all different types of codes and all that. So like you have to know a certain type of code. Um, but some of those guys that do like, you know, development on cell phones or cell phone uh, applications or web design and that type of stuff. Some of them are like cross trained and they, there's a pretty wide field for them. I know people have been waiting like six months to a year to find something and still haven't found anything. So And the other piece too, is that a lot of these companies are trying to get younger and cheaper as they hire new people in. So they'll likely open up positions at Microsoft or Xbox, be able to bring in like other employees, um, to, to jump into that business. And it's going to be tough for them to even get into that, uh, because they're, you know, you're looking at senior developers who are going to be trying to get into positions that are supposed to be entry level based, you know, so it's when a tough competitive trying market. to entice the next generation of ideas and people to come up in an industry where there just doesn't appear to be a future or you know that it's going to be so layoff heavy and dependent like and these companies are just getting bought out all the time i mean you could make a really successful game you know at an awesome studio your studio gets bought out. Everybody thinks that they're going to get a raise or something that all of a sudden you get forced onto some project you don't want to do. You get, you know, so much crunch laid on you because they're demanding it come out at a certain time at a certain level. You're unable to meet that. And then they shutter the studio and everybody loses their job and nobody can ever make that uh, sequel the way that it should have been made because now it's just owned by some company and it's just, you know, Everybody lost their job. All of that talent's gone. All of that ambition that was the team is dead. And it's just an IP sitting in a cupboard until it becomes valuable to them sometime down the road. Well, and what's unfortunate too is all of the new hires that they had that experiences. So I saw one instance at least, um, which I know is not the general population here for what happened, but there was a guy that I was a developer on Twitter that he was hired by Blizzard four months ago, moved out to California for the job, and they just laid him off. So when they start talking about things like severance pay, severance pay is typically dictated on how long you've been with a company. So this dude straight up moved his whole life, went out to California, and four months later, he's laid off. Like, that's so shitty. Nice house. Yeah, right? So that's just a bad situation in general. Um. So yeah, it sucks for all those people. Hopefully they can find some stuff soon uh, and and go from there, you know, but it's going to be a tough road ahead for a lot of them, I'm sure, in finding some work. I don't know, maybe all 1900 of them make their own studio. 
I mean, that seems to be the general, like what happens from what I've seen, like some of these developers, their former developers for like a certain, you know, company, they go off, they do their own thing and then they make a big hit and then they get acquired. Then they get let go, rinse and repeat. <laughs> That's what it seems like happens in this industry. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's dive into our inflation deflation for the week. This week we played some Dishonored on the PlayStation 3, or at least I did. I don't know what you played it on. Not on the PS3. There you go. Uh, it was developed by Arcane Studios, published by Bethesda. Uh, it was directed by Rafael Colantonio. Jeez, I was trying to say it too quick. Uh, and Harvey Smith. Uh, it was released in October of 2012. It is an action adventure stealth game with reception around a nine out of 10. Uh, in Dishonored, the city of Dunwall is plagued by corruption and sickness and a rat plague for good measure. Uh, the story follows Corvo Atano, once bodyguard and assassin of the Empress. You are framed for her murder. You need to clear your name, save essentially the princess and the city using magic stealth and a good amount of freedom and choices dishonored really allows for a lot of uh player expression and impact it is a very uh stylized artistic game with a lot to say and uh i really enjoyed my time with it i have played a little bit of this game before i've seen a bunch of reviews on this game in the past i know a lot of people that i look and listen to um they really enjoy the dishonored franchise and i think that this is one that i've been really wanting to play through for a long time and i'll probably leave installed and maybe go back and visit some more because i did actually have a save file that was already like a bit past what we probably were able to get through today um I, I think this is a, a fantastic game and it earns those really high marks. What do you think, John? Uh, yeah, I 100% agree. So just like you, I actually played this probably about 2013, 2014, I think is when I last played it. And back then it was a fantastic game. I thought that graphically it was it was great. It played really well. And then just some of the cool things you're able to do if your character like you're able to technically summon rats and put rats on different people. You're able to control different, uh, I think control humans as well as like other creatures uh, through the game, if I recall. And then just the steampunk type of nature of this title. So it's it's like medieval style plague world and what's happening, but very steampunk as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like not super heavy on the steampunk, but just enough to give you that taste of like, this isn't your standard medieval times, essentially. And yeah, I just always liked it then, and I liked it again when we played a Visco round. Um, you know, I think this go around, I got as far as in what I played uh, just after the crossbow. So after you get through to the sewers and everything and then grab the crossbow, uh, that's about right. Ended this go round. But, you know, I, I like the story component. Like it's it's kind of cliche, right? Assassins come in, murder an empress. You're framed for it. You got to clear your name. Oh, and there happens to be a child involved that you got to rescue. Like very cliche story but it just hits differently um what, and I think what, it's, what do you mean really cliche like give me another title just any old action movie that's out there i'm not saying video games i'm saying like action movies like i don't know um for example it'd be taken you know his whole thing is like you when know he now was framed for murdering the empress i'm not saying he was framed for murdering empress but you know there's situations where you're cliche. framed you're framed for murdering a mom or you're framed for murdering your best friend's wife and the child has been taken by terrorists and you have to go across the country in some random situation to go find this person and clear your name. Like it, it's in like every it single happens, movie. Ryan. It's it Hollywood plot. <laughs> it's Hollywood plot, dude. Like that's it's I'm just teasing. Yeah, I know. But it's it's the same thing with those bank heist movies like we just saw Lyft the other day on Netflix, which is pretty good, by the way, uh, popcorn flick. But like the whole concept is like, oh, I'm a thief. Oh, I'm going to get caught. The government wants me to work for them. OK, cool. Now I got to go do this big heist for the government. Now, guess what? And I called it at the very beginning. They're going to get all the gold that they were trying to steal in some random way. And what happens? They got all the gold like stuff like that, dude. Like it's just it's the same plot point, just with different types of characters and a small spin on it every go around. And this is that but it hits differently 
It, and I think it's because of a world that is developed around it that makes it different, right? Yeah. You've got the steampunk, you're controlling rats, you're doing all these crazy things uh, in this world to go save that girl. And uh, it's, I don't know, I, I just like it. And I like these types of games. The Plague Tale games have hit pretty well for me. And this, for me, when I played Plague Tale, when I first thought of that game and I first started playing, I'm like, man, this is like Dishonored in a way. Like just kind of the the scope and feel and what you're doing and it's plague focus. Like I really liked that game initially and wanted to dive in because I liked Dishonored so much and what I had played back then. Yeah. So that's something that kind of for me in general, I kind of like in games. Yeah, I think uh, the systems that are at play in Dishonored are really cool. I mean, this is what people really um, like about Arcane is, you know, you have kind of here's this world uh the sandbox you know the rules and everything's going to play by those rules so you can really be uh effective and make plans and have things carry out the way you expect and you want to uh, i think it's cool how the game reacts to your play so um the more you murder and kill the crazier and more chaotic the city gets and uh the more the plague and the rats spread uh, so, you know, if you choose to kind of go this light side or this dark side, you can see that impact play out through the city and eventually, you know, how you, the ending you'll get and the the way that the lessons you will teach um, through, you know, your actions, essentially, Emily will learn from you and, you know, kind of become one way or the other at the end when you rescue her. Um what else is cool about this game? I don't know. I really love the art style. I think the stylized look of this game is timeless. Like, I think this will always be a great looking, great playing game. I think it will always kind of go down as something that could be revisited. And I certainly expect that there will be more dishonored in the future. Um, you know, whether it's like a remaster of the original or whether they just continue to make more sequels down the road or prequels like we don't i don't think we really know much about corvo before dishonored but he was already like a master assassin then so there's lots of things that they could do with this but break yeah. it down uh, i was just gonna say i mean you got dishonored 2 of course it's mm -hmm. out there and then they there is a version on ps4 so a definitive edition is released after the PS3 version. So not a remaster in its entirety, but I mean, there's been some updates and they've put some love around it. And when we get into the brass tax here, I could talk a little bit more on that too. Yeah. So complete inbox, uh, super cheap. We're talking PS3 prices here. Uh, run you four ninety seven. that peaked at $30 back in April, 2013. That is currently holding. Uh, loose it'll run you 343 that peaked at 39.30 back in october 2012 that is also holding uh digital on console you can get it for 19.99 but it's included in ps plus and game pass you can get it on pc for 9.99 on steam yeah and then also ryan had asked me he's like well can you look up you know, what is the cheapest version? What's the most expensive version? And when you go to look at that, there are so many different versions of this game that have been released. There's definitive editions, the regular standard edition, there's game of the year editions, there's versions on PS4, there's ver like compilation editions with like, you know, just an arcane studios mm -hmm. triple pack or something like it's, it's all over the place. They've Lots put of ways a, to play. Yeah. There are a lot of ways to play this game. So, um, I would say for me, Ryan, the nine out of 10 reception holds up. And the price point definitely is deflated. Yeah, I mean, this is a great game. I, I mean, 20 bucks on digital console. I mean, I think that that's probably something you could get on sale. I think the $10 on digital Steam is probably a super, super reasonable price. I would say anywhere you could get this game for 10 bucks physical digital whatever it would be worth it at that and that's probably even you know uh deflated still i would say i would say this game is is deflated pretty much anywhere you're gonna get it yeah and there's just like I said so many different ways to play i mean you could technically pick up a pal version of that and that being cheaper and throw it on the ps3 or uh ps4 and you'd be fine too so there's yeah lots of ways to play a great game and that's how we like it
Yeah, sounds good. Well, next week we're in person. Don't know what we're doing. Never know what we're doing. We'll we'll figure it out during the week. Uh, But until then, this has been episode 271 of the Game Flares podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.